Zach's video from Boston Speaks Up. I'm here with the sponsor, Reed. Silicon Valley Bank is a proud sponsor of Boston Speaks Up for more than 35 years. Silicon Valley Bank has helped innovative companies and their investors move bold ideas forward fast. SVB provides targeted financial services and expertise through its offices at 53 State Street in downtown Boston and in Newton and innovation centers around the world. With commercial, international, and private banking services, SVB helps address the unique needs of Boston's innovators. Learn more at svb.com. Zach Servideo here from Boston Speaks Up. I'm here with New England Venture Capital Association's Ari, Ari Glantz. Ari, how you doing? I'm doing well, man. I'm uh, enjoying the, the turn to fall. Nice. Yeah, it, it was a hard turn. I feel like last year it was a little warmer through September. And, and not that I don't love this weather. It just seems like it, it went from like 80 degrees to, to 60s, like almost on a dime uh, at the start of September, but it's, it's, it's definitely been beautiful out. I think 2020 is uh, just continues to not do anything halfway. (laughs) Right on. Yeah, that is, that is true. Um, Let's um, so diving in, like, and just given the listeners, I don't recognize the voice or the name. Like that's, that's Ari glance, Ari fine glance. He's the director of development and and strategic initiatives at New England Venture Capital Association. I'm going to sort of read through a few few more details on on his background and we're going to flow into conversation. Um, but if you're not familiar with Nevca, it's a regional trade or trade association for the venture capital industry. Its mission is to foster collaborative, inclusive and prosperous innovation ecosystem. At Nevca, Glance leads the organization's revenue generating activities, manages legislative strategy, supports President Jody Rose on new on new program development. Uh, he served as a coach and judge for a variety of accelerators and pitch competitions around Boston. Is an infrequent contributor to TechCrunch, Boston, and TEDx, and just like all around like amazing dot connector, um, which is which is how I, I came to know Ari. A um, couple of the things to know kind of going in, you know, for listeners, and we'll talk about this more in the podcast later, um, but what kind of really uh, struck struck my interest and in why I wanted to talk to Ari in particular right now in September of 2020 is he um, he's getting ready to launch. And when this podcast comes out, it will help sort of introduce the launch of uh, his lighthearted fundraiser called uh, Fundraiser. F-U-N-D dot R-A-Z-O-R. And and and. As as that name would indicate, and if you've seen Ari's face, um, he has a an, a an amazingly long beard going right now. Um, so he's looking to raise some funds um, for Hack Diversity, which is the vision of of Nevka tackling the underrepresentation of high skilled minority talent in Boston's innovation ecosystem. For for listeners that that caught it, um, we had a really popular podcast last month with Angela Liu. Who helps head up Hack Diversity? Um, so yeah, so you can learn more about fundraiser um, in the links we'll share when we, when we publish the podcast and the Boston Hill Post next next week. Um, yeah, and, and just a couple other fun tidbits about Ari. He he had had a, an atypical journey that led him to Nevka um, from entrepreneurship to 
international athletics. He played, played baseball in Australia, um, spent some time uh, as a social worker. So he's, he's lived in San Francisco, Paris, Australia. Um, and, but, but it sort of brought it all back to, to New England. He's, uh, a, a native Canabrigian, which, uh, is a fancy way to say he's from Cambridge, Massachusetts, and that's where he lives now. Uh, and, and Ari, yeah, it's a, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast and, uh, and, and thank you for, uh, indulging me as I, as I read through some of the, you know, brief history of, uh, of your ascension to, uh, to this really interesting dynamic role as sort of, you know, head of, you know, director of uh, development and strategic initiatives at NEVCA. Um, before we kind of get into, you know, some of your, your background and, and your interesting sort of career arc into your role today. And then I'd love to talk about the fundraiser, um, for listeners, like talk about, talk about NEVCA, talk about your mission and, and talk about how that mission is, um, manifesting in, in interesting new ways, you know, during a pandemic. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I hate to do it and I love to do it. Um, but I will say that we, we like NEVCA instead of NEVCA. Uh, you know, I think with the uh, with the, the the Russian election hacking a couple of years ago, we just decided <laughs> Nevka sounded a little too, uh, you know, old Russian grandmothery. So we like the uh, the acronym. But um, do we know what Nevka know? means? In, does it mean something in Russian? Out of curiosity, <laughs> I, I haven't dove in far enough to give you an answer there. Interesting. But we'll it, have to look it up. What if it means like? Yeah. What if it means love or connectivity or like something awesome? Um, maybe. you know, then, then we would have to rethink that whole standpoint. <laughs> we'll be going, we'll be going with any VCA from here on out. Although I, I'm as a, and you appreciate that as at this, as an athlete, you always go with one syllable whenever you can. So I'm like, Oh, I know it. Right. Right. And, it's and, yeah. Like what were you called? Like even Ari two syllables, bit too much. Like what, what's the one syllable <laughs> name they would call you on the, on the baseball field when you were spinning double plays as a shortstop? Fiverr. Fiverr. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Um, all right. So sorry to, sorry to push, push you off on a tangent for the, there for a moment. So any VCA's mission and, and sort of how that's, um, you know, evolving and taking shape in new ways during this current pandemic. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, we're, we're a, a trade association at our core, which means that we have a community and it's our, our mission to, um, to advocate on behalf of that community. For us, it's the the, the venture capital community, um, which means that our job is actually, you know, kind of weird and amorphous um, because, you know, the needs of that community are really uh, the needs of an ecosystem. Um, and that's how we look at what we do. And, and that's how we characterize our mission. I mean, we, we say that, you know, our mission is to foster a collaborative, inclusive and prosperous innovation ecosystem. And I think that's, you know, that's reflective of this idea that, you know, to be a successful VC, um, it's, it's pretty much not about you as a VC. It's about the companies you're investing in, the, 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 the people that they are drawing on to build their teams, the political environment in which they are um, seeking to, to scale their businesses, the, uh, you know, the relationships that they can foster between academia, between industry, um, you know, all, all of that holistic look. And, and that's how we look at our job. Um, 
you know, we, we kind of break it into four main areas, I'd say, um, you know, community is, is one and that's, that's how we bring people together. Uh, brand is another, I know that's something that, that you and I have talked about a lot offline, um, is, is how we tell the story of new England as a, you know, a destination for, for companies, for talent, for capital, um, policy is, is another area that we work, um, you know, all sorts of different innovation friendly legislation. Um, we, we try and, uh, push for that, uh, at the local, but, but sometimes the national level. Um, and then, you know, workforce through the lens of diversity. And that's, that's kind of where Hack Diversity plugs in and some of the other programs that we run. But I think, you know, that's how we look at our mission and our mission hasn't really changed, um, through the pandemic. Um, but obviously, you know, like everybody, the, the delivery of that mission, um, the programs that we, that we put out, um, what we try to execute on behalf of that mission, that, that looks a lot different. Um, you know, and it's been a challenge. It's definitely been a challenge, but it's also been, you know, exciting, which is what I, what I hope for. And I do hear from uh, a lot of people that I've talked to. Great. Yeah. Like it's, it's just a lot of, a lot of virtual communication, a lot of, I mean, are you, so you're facilitating community, um, from afar right now. So lots of, lots of zooms. You're, I, um, how many, if you, could you even estimate how many zooms your, your beard has been the, uh, the talk of the talk of the zoom in the past six, seven months, <laughs> you know, uh, uh, definitely too many. Um, and, and I would say it's also the beard itself has, has taken up an unfair uh, number of minutes on all of those zoom calls, uh, which is, which is partly why, you know, why we wound up at this place of, uh, of launching a fundraiser around it. Yeah. Um, just cause you know, once, once quarantine started and, uh, you know, there was no, there was no barbering to go to, uh, it started to get pretty unruly and people started to notice and I started having to explain it and uh, it just sort of spiraled from there. Right. Yeah. I'm going to, since we kind of naturally made our way over there, like I'm, I'm going to double click into the fundraiser now and then we can kind of go through some of the other topics we want, we wanted to touch on. And I can remember like it was yesterday um, ha- having done a podcast. I don't remember who I interviewed that day over at, and I, I was at the underscore VC studio shout out to underscore vc and the in the great um uh, video audio studio they've set up and then you and i met up um like we met up we had a drink and i remember walking over to you and you're getting on your bike and you know you cycle all around you know town between cambridge and boston and your beard was pretty long then and this was pre-pandemic it was i want to say it was cold um and, 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 and all, all that beard's done is sort of, uh, uh, mature, and uh, you know, with, you know, I don't know, another seven, eight, nine, ten 10 months. Um, so, so you mentioned it's, it, it's perhaps over indexed as a conversation topic on, uh, on zoom calls. And you're like, I, I remember you, you saying to me like a you know month or, or so back, like this thing's got to go, but you being you, you're like, I got to do this in a really productive way and in a fun way. Um, so why don't you just talk a bit about like the, like the ideation phase and kind of, and then kind of bring, bring everyone up to speed on, on, um, on what you're introducing, um, for folks to, in the community to participate in. 
Yeah, for sure. It's, uh, you know, it's been a long and winding road. Um, you know, started growing this thing in May of 2019. Um, and, you know, I'm a baseball player. I have a weird relationship with facial hair in general. Um, and I have a weird relationship overall in my life with, uh, kind of, you know, when, when you set your mind to do something, just do it all the way. Um, and so I just kind of let this thing grow and then, uh, yeah, the pandemic came and, and it got, it got crazy. Um, my original plan, as you know, was, uh, was to do this fundraiser, whatever it was, it wasn't the fundraiser quite yet, but was to do it, um, you know, back in, in May. Um, I think I started talking about this, um, with you and some other folks in, in March and April. So that's how long it was then. Um, and really it was, you know, I was going to try and, you know, everybody was locked in their house. Um, we were just getting into zoom, uh, you know, zoom world. Um, everything was kind of the same online. Uh, you know, we were starting to feel the, the hurt of, of businesses closing, but it hadn't really got there yet, but there was just kind of this, you know, just a sense of foreboding out there and, and nobody was able to do something so do anything outside. And so I just said, you know, all right, I, I got to get rid of this thing. Why not try and bring some just sort of lighthearted energy um, to Boston? You know, God knows we need a little bit of that. Sometimes we're also heading down, um, you know, working on the next thing. It's, it's good to bring a little humor in, um, you know, and then, uh, uh, Really, we were, we were about to get going, and uh, you know the George Floyd protests happened, and and it was just you know it wasn't the right time um, to to be pushing that campaign. Um, people had a lot of other you know more important things to focus on, uh, and so you know put the pause button on for a little bit, and then you know started to to think about getting going again, and um, and really change the focus a little bit from. Um, kind of pandemic, uh, pandemic uh, uh, lightheartedness to still staying, still staying uh, uh, fun and, and lighthearted with the beard, um, but focusing it on um, on hack diversity and, and what that organization is trying to do. Uh, and so, yeah, I guess that brings us to today. Um, you know, we're raising money for hack diversity. Uh, we are doing it in this in this interesting way uh, uh so i have this crazy beard um the fundraiser website has five even crazier beard styles um that are up for auction essentially um and so participants who want to get involved uh want to have a little bit of fun um make my life a little bit miserable for a good cause uh, they can vote uh, with their dollars on their favorite slash most ridiculous beard style um and the the style that raises the most money uh is the one that i will eventually shave into my face uh live um working with uh, uh roosters men's grooming um in the south end they've uh, agreed to donate the shave and the space as a broadcast studio so we'll be uh we'll be filming live and uh, everyone can tune in and, and watch this uh, travesty take place. 
Um, and if we hit our goal of $10,000 raised, uh, I will wear the crazy style uh, for all my Zoom meetings uh, for a week. Um, and uh, that, that's what we got going on. Um, big <laughs> shout out actually Amazing. to our, uh, one last shout out to our, our good friends at Silicon Valley Bank who are uh, matching up to $3,000 of funds to a particular style. Uh, so to find out which style that is, uh, I'll tell people they have to go to the website. Um, but SVB, a uh, huge supporter of Hack Diversity um, and just kind of great, great dudes in general. Um, they agreed to to get on board. So we're psyched. That's great. That's great. My, um, I got to put my money where my mouth is, but I think my money is going to be on half and half. Like, I just think that there's just too much fun to be had with like, from certain angles, you're completely shaven, but then from other angles, your, your beard's fully intact. Um, but f folks, you'll have to go check out. Yeah. You'll have to go check out fund fund dot razor and, uh, and check them out and, and, and sort of, put your, put your, put your money where your vote is. And, uh, and let's make sure Ari has to do a week's worth of calls with a ridiculous beard. Yeah, man, your, your <laughs> half and half is bringing out your inner status. It's just, it's clear. That's, the one, uh, <laughs> that's, the, that's my least favorite, but I had to throw it out there. To, to yeah, there you go. Hot. Yeah. Um, that, that's wonderful. And th thanks for kind of walking us through. It's good. It seems like it was, a you know, a month or two ago, but yeah, it was March or April. We were first talking about this thing. It's wild how, um, the days have all kind of mushed together and, and, you know, six, seven months, whatever we're in of a pandemic, you know, some days it just feels like, you know, it's just like, it feels like a month. Like I, I, and sometimes it feels like a month and sometimes it feels like three years. Uh, but thanks for walking us through, um, the fundraiser and we'll, we'll share more details when the, when the podcast comes out with everyone. Um, and it's, you know, wonderful. I think folks who haven't yet will, will love kind of the opportunity to just learn more about, um, hack diversity and the great work that they're doing. Um, so, so Ari, like, let's talk about your, the, the great circle in which, you know, you've kind of, you know, great full circle that's brought you back to Cambridge, right? You, you were, and, and I'd, I'd love to start kind of with like your childhood growing up in Cambridge and then like sort of, you know, what, you know, what, what your childhood was like um, and, and sort of, you know, for folks that maybe are transplants into Boston and Cambridge, you know, Cambridge isn't the same as it once was. And there's, no. there's cool new things and there's, there's like sad things no longer. Um, but yeah, like, what was it, what was it like growing up in, in, in Cambridge? Yeah, man, I, Cambridge in the nineties, uh, was, was quite different, I think from Cambridge today. Um, and, and that, that certainly forms, uh, a lot of the, the basis for the perspectives that I take as a as a member and an advocate for the innovation community now um, is sort of that you know remember remembering my roots, remembering where I came from, uh, and and trying to make sure that all of the positives uh, know what that word was uh, uh, in my childhood and even in my early adolescence. I didn't engage with Cambridge in that way. Um, I engaged with Cambridge, you know, I, I think mostly like any kid engages with the place they grew up, um, you know, just trying to get out and get to know, get to know people, get to know the, 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 the back alleys of, of, uh, of the city. Um, 
you know, now I get to reflect back and a lot of those back alleys that I was, you know, doing graffiti in uh, or kicking freestyles in, you know, as, as a, a silly 14, 15 year old, now those are now shiny biotech offices um, or accelerators and things like that. And that's always interesting to, uh, to reflect on and remember. Um, nice. What but, did you, yeah, what did your parents do? Uh, so my, my father is and was a, an author and psychotherapist. Uh, he really interesting guy. He, he's, he founded a, a discipline called evolutionary psychotherapy. He's written six or seven books uh, in and around that topic. Um, when I was in grade school, he spent a, a, a few years, a year or two, uh, as a visiting scientist at MIT, uh, working on the, the earliest application of virtual reality to psychotherapy. Um, this was back when, you know, <laughs> there was no Oculus. This is back when a virtual reality rig was, you know, the size of a Volkswagen Beetle. Um, and <laughs> the, the pixels were bigger than, uh, than a block in Minecraft. Um, but, uh, you know, MIT was, uh, was at the forefront of that way back then. Obviously, you know, it didn't catch on quite a bit, but we're seeing, you know, uh, some, some at least tangential fruits of that labor uh, coming coming into market now, which is really exciting. I don't even know if my dad is following it anymore. Well, uh, and then my mom, my mom uh, was you know many different careers. Uh, she spent time as a special educator, um, but for the majority of my childhood, she was a a professional organizer. She had a business called the Mess Fairy, um, and she would uh, go in to to help individuals and businesses. Uh, sort of bring order to the chaos of their lives and environment. Um, fun fact, she actually uh, had a, a, an appearance on the show, I think Buried Alive or, or Hoarders. Um, she, she specialized for a little while in um, helping people with uh, clinically diagnosed uh, hoarding, bring, um, oh, wow. bring systems to organize that. So I, I, I had some, uh, yeah, some summers as a, you know, 13, 14 year old as the, the labor, uh, <laughs> carting out piles of, of the weirdest stuff you can imagine, um, from, from people's, uh, storage lockers and, and basements and things like that. Interesting. I can see now why you, um, is this perhaps part of the influence that led you down the path of a psychology major at, at Vassar college? Yeah. Um, definitely. Uh, you know, I, I, I dealt with, uh, uh, sometimes I like to say I dealt with two crazy parents who both dealt with crazy people. Um, and, uh, you know, like, I think like a lot of, like a lot of kids, I, I fought against the urges or the, the inclinations to quote unquote follow in my parents' footsteps. Um, you know, when I first got to college, I, I was an English major. Um, I was, you know, spent a lot of years saying like, you know, I'm not going to become my dad or, you know, I, I'm not going to become my mom, uh, you know, I think like a lot of people, I look back, uh, now and I'm like, you moron, uh, <laughs> should have been spending a lot more time, uh, you know, figuring out what you can learn from them and, and how to adapt their stories and, and make them your own. 
um, which I think is, you know, to a certain degree, I've tried to do now and slightly later in adult life. Um, nice. But yeah, did they give you? But did they give you flex? But did did they give you flexibility to kind of? Because a lot of a lot of young people, and I don't like you need to kind of go on the pursuit of your own manifest destiny yourself, independent of anyone, and certainly your parents. Um, but and perhaps you know, and, and and sort of as a parent, and this is you know, I have some years to to hopefully hone my ability to, to be nurturing, but not overbearing. We only have, you know, our daughter's only three years old. Um, and as a parent, it's, it's important to sort of like provide tools and lessons, but not necessarily like be, you know, a dictator in your child's life. So like, did your, you know, what was it like kind of, so you went to Vassar, um, you started in English, you ended up majoring in psychology, said you, you said you dabbled in econ and philosophy in, in the pre-podcast Q and A. Um, you know, what, what was your, you know, like you don't, it doesn't have to be a, a whole discussion about like, your, I'm just curious, like what, what was your, was, what was your parents influence at that time? And like, what was your, what were you looking to do at, upon graduating college? Like you were, you know, maybe part of this too, is a, is a conversation about, you know, sport and, 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 and baseball. Um, but what did a, you know, 21, 22 year old Ari glance, um, kind of set out to do and what were your influences like at that point in your life like kind of finishing undergrad for sure well the, the first thing i'll say is is you know i'm i'm forever thankful to my parents for uh exposing me to a just absolutely massive set of inputs and experiences in my childhood um you know i, I did everything from uh you know figure drawing to baseball to ballet um to uh, you know, adventure camp, and and I actually was in a, a youth circus for a little while, but we don't have, we don't have to get into that. Um, and so, so they certainly didn't pressure me into anything, um, and I, I'm I'm hugely appreciative of that. I think, like you said, you know, uh, and I, I'm sure that you will uh, bring these lessons to your own daughter. You know, I think you, people have to forge their own path. Um, you know, I managed to cultivate some, you know, aversion to following in my parents, my parents' footsteps, even though they didn't push me in any particular direction. But um, it eventually, you know, found me at Vassar, which is this liberal arts college where you get, um, you know, you're encouraged to expose yourself to, uh, again, another huge variety of academic discipline. Um, at 21, 22, what was I set on doing, you know, I think your insight about it being a conversation about sport um, is very accurate. You know, that was my primary focus all throughout my childhood and, and going into college, um, played baseball in college, you know, from, from age three, you know, what's your dream when you grow up, Ari, you know, I want to be a professional baseball player. That was, that was always it. Um, and, and I maintain that uh, even through college. Um, and, you know, I think 21, 22 or really 2021 is, is an important date because that's when I, you know, very accidentally got involved with my first startup company, um, mm. a, a company called Frastic Limited. Um, it, it was founded by a really close friend of mine at Vassar, um, 
and uh, uh, it was in the music distribution space uh, between sort of the demise of Napster and the rise of streaming. Um, and I, I stayed involved with that through, through college. Um, and then after college, I kind of look at it, you know, somewhat glorified looking back as this sort of choice point of, um, you know, try and dedicate, you know, myself or continue dedicating myself to baseball, go try and make it in some grungy independent league, um, where I would be a long shot to make the team, uh, or go try and, you know, make it with this startup out in San Francisco, um, and where we were going to be a long shot in a, in a very different way. Um, mm. and, uh, yeah, I wound up, I wound up making the decision to, you know, move out of San Francisco for, you know, at least a very short term initially. Um, the company was able to, uh, raise a little bit of, of kind of friends and family angel money. Um, and then the, you know, the, the 20, 22 year olds that we were at that point, you know, managed to, uh, spend all that money in about six months and, uh, <laughs> and it was time and it was time to leave the company. Um, <laughs> but, uh, how, how long were you in San Francisco? Like, did you immediately leave SF? Like, did you only spend six months there? Yeah. Um, even last actually, I think by yeah. the end, it was, it was, it was less than six months that I was out there. Um, yeah. you know, it was a, it was a hugely formative and hugely educational period because that's where I got my first taste of, you know, what a, an innovation ecosystem looks like. Um, that's where I really started to, you know, understand what, uh, what it took to build a startup, um, who the players were and, and all the kinds of opportunity and excitement, um, and intellectual curiosity and dynamism that, that exists in that world. Um, and I, I, you know, that's not something I had really ever engaged with, uh, at Cambridge or, um, at Vassar. And even though I only spent, you know, a very short amount of time out there and in it, uh, it left a, it left a mark. Um, and it took me, took me a few more years, uh, a few more years and a few more adventures for sure, um, to get back to that, um, and, and, and wind up where I am now. But I credit that experience, um, tremendously with, with setting, setting the tone for me. Interesting. Um, Question. So, follow-up question. There. Speaking of curiosity, my my curious mind um, has a, cu a couple layers of questioning around like a music streaming startup, and we don't have to get into details of it. Like specifically going to San Francisco. Like you could have gone to L.A. You could have gone to New York. You could have stayed in Boston. Again, you you stumbled into like, hey, you know, your buddy from college got the startup. You're getting involved, like. You're, you're you're maybe blinders on to like sort of the local innovation community in Boston. I get that, but like in retrospect, I'm curious. Like, what is the um, what does the NEVCA RE feel about mm -hmm. like that particular startup making the decision to go to SF? Because you also hear a lot of stories these days too, especially during the pandemic, where like a lot of startups are leaving SF because you'll like there's just a there's just a faster burn rate in, in SF based on talent, based on real estate, et cetera, um, based on just cost of living. Um, so like what, what, what was like the decision process there? And like, do you, 
do you have any like cautionary tale over like sort of like the idea of like, I mean, great, you got great experience out of it. You charge that experience, but like any cautionary tales to like young entrepreneurs, cause you do often hear this, like this debate over like, Oh, you know, you know, startup startups in, in Boston sort of like fleeing, you know, in particular, like, you know, can oftentimes flee to like a San Francisco. I think those, those days aren't numbered, but I think the, the sort of statistics on that, I think are, are dropping. Um, but any commentary on that? Yeah, I mean, you know, the the NEVCA already today would would box that kid in the ears for uh, for a number of reasons. Um, <laughs> you know, certainly, you know, leaving Boston for San Francisco is is now, you know, uh, uh, that's a that's a nightmarish phrase um, for me and, and what I focus on now. Certainly, um, you know, uh, yeah, I think your your comment earlier about blinders. Um, certainly is a part of it. And and that's what I see. That's what I see a lot today. Um, It's not, uh, you know, when, when people make decisions like that, it it often seems like it's not because they know everything about where they are or where they, um, where they might go. It's that they, they only know uh, the fables and the myth of, of startup land being, you know, this shining, shining city on the West coast. Um, and, and so that's certainly uh, a part of what we work on now at the NEVCA. It comes back to that pillar about, you know, regional brands is, is what are the, what are the programs? What are the initiatives? What are the um, educational pushes that we, we can uh, support to educate people to get those blinders off Um and have them make a, you know, a more educated assessment about uh, where they, they might want to go and start a company. Right. Great. So, so you meet, sorry, I appreciate that. I want to double click on that for a moment, but, but kind of continuing on to the fail sort of that's that startup burns through its capital. You're in San Francisco less than six months. Then what, like what happens between then and like you living in a van in the Australian outback? Like how, how does how does that come about? Yeah, um, it's a good question. <laughs> uh, to be to be completely honest with you, I, I think that you know the the actual step by step mechanisms by which I got from point A to you know the point B of of living in a van in the Australian outback. Um, those probably mix in my brain, you know, with, with reality and, and myth at this point, I, you know, I don't remember <laughs> exactly what happened to do that. I know that, you know, my, my dad to bring it back to family, um, you know, he spent, you know, many years, my dad's 83 years old now. Um, you know, I, my parents definitely a part of my childhood that, that was meaningful was having older parents. My mom is, is 45 uh, or my mom was 45 when she had me. My dad was 50, um, and I'm an only child. Um, and uh, you know, my dad spent so much of of his life pre me uh, in other countries: uh, France, India, Japan, Greece. Um, and and so I I definitely had that model of you know well-roundedness and international travel go hand in hand. So when, Mm. when I was 
you know, done and, and didn't have didn't have a next step. I had a, a a liberal arts degree in psychology and a chip on my shoulder about not wanting to be a psychologist. <laughs> I you know I bought a one way ticket to Australia, um, and I, I had about five grand left uh, in my savings from you know my my summer summer entrepreneurship uh, in high school and. And, and bar mitzvah money or something, I don't know. Uh, and I put in a, I put in a fanny pack. Uh, I flew to Australia, and I wound up buying a camper van um, with a, the intention of driving it up the east coast of Australia and seeing what that world had to offer. And it, that was, you know, a couple months of that was incredible. I wound up. Uh, uh, heckling my way onto a semi-pro baseball team in Cairns, Australia, which is where the Great Barrier Reef is. Yeah. I caught on with that team, played a, a full season with them, won a championship in the Cairns Baseball League. Uh, meanwhile, I was working days as a demolition construction worker and nights as a bartender uh, and in between playing baseball. Uh, while living out of a camper van, uh, ridiculous, ridiculous uh, period of my life for sure. But but also you know incredibly incredibly formative. Um, the experiences, uh, the interpersonal experiences, the the experiences with land and culture mm. that I was able to have during that period were unparalleled and and absolutely form kind of a, a bedrock of of who I am today. That's so cool. Um, so. What about like the folks you interacted with there? Like, do you have any like friends that you stay in touch with to this day or like who, like what was your, like what was your community when you were in like can and, and plan on, like, is it, was it your teammates? Was it, was it people you worked? I mean, you had really interesting experiences, you know, construction, the bar, the baseball team, like, I mean, you, you, I mean, they quickly had an opportunity to have like a pretty strong community from a few different lanes. Yeah. I mean, that's what it was. It was, it was multiple communities. I mean, there was the backpacker community. Australia does have this, this oh, culture of, of backpacking uh, where, you know, people that you, you, you meet different, you meet the same people at different stops on your journey um, where they're they're going in the same general direction, but you arrive at the same places at, at similar times and you get to know them. Yeah, you know, I remember this one family that had a you know like a six month old uh, that we just kept seeing you know every few hundred miles and and eventually you know it was like hey how's it going Pierre? Uh, <laughs> they were French and yeah. and you know so there's that community. Um, there was there was the baseball team. But really, you know, I really only spent time with the baseball team on the field. The you know, I spent time with the the other guys on the demo team who were all local Australians, and then there was a hospitality community uh, that that I was that I was part of at, at night. And so it was a really and and a lot of those people in all three of those, um, other than the the demo team, were international. Um, they were transplants, so we were all living sort of this, you know, I don't want to say immigrant because, because most of us were transient, um, but foreign, we were living a foreign right. experience. 
which again, you know, talk about perspective. Yeah. Really powerful. That's awesome. Uh, bringing me back to my Australian backpacking hostel days. Those yeah. Were, uh, it's a special place. And, and yeah, there's folks from all over and just, you know, I mean, it's, I remember like the lawyer I met who was doing like really boring, um, like practicing law in, in London. And he was doing it like he was doing it around the world, um, trip for 12 months. Like he had made a ton of money. He's like, I, I, I think there's ways I can use my law degree, but I'm not using it the right way. And I just kept, we kept running into him. Like we'd run into him in Nimbin. Like we'd run into him at, in Fraser Island. Like we'd just like, it was just like, we just kept running into this guy. And then the strangest thing happened. Like, but we're like, it was just fitting. Like we were in Fiji and we were down like the South Southern part of Fiji. And we were at this hostel resort that where you slept in a, um, in a hammock surrounded like with a fish with a mosquito net around you. And it was like $7 a day. Cause we were all running out of money towards the end of our travel. And he showed yeah, up man. And, and, and we were like, Oh, and, and we had never, um, we had always just had like little encounters with him, like maybe had a beer once. And, um, we ended up like, like organizing a big soccer tournament with him and a bunch of friends. And he was, he was getting ready to go off to, to South America next. And he was only like seven months into this journey. And it's just like, you, you meet people like that and they have like, I'm talking to you about them here in 2020 that happened in 2006. And, um, and I wrote about it in a journal, one of the, one of the, one of the many journals that I've tried to keep over the years, but it's like, those are, it's, it's really interesting. And I know you're, you're a mindful dude. Like it's interesting how powerful a a presence, um, like, chance encounters with like essentially strangers that quickly become like these, these like friends in these moments in your life and then they go away, but how much they can have this like lasting impact on, on you, um, for decades to come. And, and, and just and hearing, yeah, like hearing you talk about it, just like it, it kind of, it, 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 it scratches into some, like some deep, deep, um, influence in my life that, you know, it's just like, it's there. Um, but it's just sort of like subconsciously there now as I'm sort of like consciously going through like, you know, the day-to-day, you know, you know, life that I live today. Yeah, that's the, that's the key. And that's, that's kind of, you know, talk about a tangent, but that's sort of this, not, I don't want to say struggle, but a, a thing that I'm always, not always, but recently, like call it past four years or so just really trying to figure out how to tap into that and how to, how to keep that, that joie de vivre from the, you know, the, the days on the open road, uh, and make that a part of my daily experience and, and how I live my life today. And, and it's, a uh, it's difficult, it's challenging, but the, I think the more intention one puts toward, you know, surfacing that and, and keeping that top of mind, not letting it percolate down to the, to the only subconscious, the better, uh, the better one is able to, to do so. And I I think there's huge value in that. And, um, you know, a a quick shameless plug, the, uh, the TEDx talk that I gave two years ago was, was called go live in a van in Australia. (laughs) <laughs> I, I, I basically 
stood in front of a bunch of uh, MBA MBA students and and business school faculty and, and told them that the best thing they could possibly do for their life and career was go live in a van in Australia. It was pretty fun. I love it. I love it. Well, there's a couple ways you can tap into that. One is like those, like those TEDx talks. Right. And then the other way is like, I don't know, we'll have to take this offline, but then just having those, you know, those friends in your, in your life that you can, um, kind of ideate on, you know, ways to incorporate that sort of in, in, tap into that, you know, in the present, um, again, and, and, you know, in one part, you know, it could be as simple as like making, you know, very being very intentional about the type of trips you plan. Um, but two part can be, you know, there's maybe there's ways to tap into it, like in the way, in the types of, you know, in the programmatic ways you think about any VCA community building, like what are some of the, the unique, um, programs or topics or exercises that are like, you know, in a, in a not dissimilar way from telling a group, of MBA is like, Hey, go live in a van in Australia. It'll be the greatest life experience you could have to kind of like find your true self. Like, you know, having any VCA, you know, community gatherings virtually now and, 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 and hopefully not too distant in the future in the physical world where like the exercises and the conversations are about like, like things far removed from business. And like, there's a lot of and because I, I think that's, I mean, what, when I have this, when we're off, as we're off on this tangent, I think that's, that's what I want to always be mindful of and, and honor and not disregard in my, in my life that I lose it is the, is the value and importance of like the, you know, the pursuit of, um, you know, knowledge and the, and the discovery of new things and, 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 and the discovery of new things like outside of the realm of like, this is, uh, you know, this, this type of discovery or knowledge will directly benefit my, you know, my business career. It's like, no, no, no more about like the, this sort of, um, this pursuit, this discovery, this, this, um, this unique sort of conversation or, or, or outlandish topic, you know, with people who are all, you know, in an ecosystem that do business together. Um, but we're actually like communicating deeply on just like topics of like, of our life, of our, of, of our existence, of, of sort of the, um, the travails of, uh, the, the homo sapiens that have kind of been on this interesting rapid ascent for the last 70,000 years during this cognitive revolution that we're in. Right. And, and sort of like making sure that you honor that and not just get so consumed by like the day to day. Yeah, man. Well, you just, you just said, uh, a bunch of things that I agree with there. Uh, yeah. And, and there's, yeah, there's a, there's a bunch of, bunch of directions I want to go from that. You know, I, I think one is, you know, to summarize, I think, you know, there's, there's truth to the idea of, you know, go live in a van in Australia, but, you know, from what you said, it strikes me that maybe the, the better, the better next Ted talk or whatever, is you know bringing bringing the van with you, like figuring yeah. out how to bring that into your into your daily life for in sure. your life. Yeah, uh, I think you know from a from an NEBCA programming perspective, uh, you know can't you can't undervalue the extent to which you know the whole person is critical for the success 
of, of, of the business person. You know, nobody, nobody is, is going to be their most successful if all they are focused on is, you know, just the science or, you know, just the, the bottom line. You have to cultivate the whole, the whole human. Um, that's what I loved about, you know, my liberal arts education. That's, that's my struggle sometimes in, in hiring today is, is I know that, I know that, you know, me at 23 coming out of, of Vassar, you know, was, was not the, uh, <laughs> was probably not going to be the best candidate for, you know, the, the, your entry level job. But I know that that person has a, you know, an, an underlying mindset and, and kind of some of the, the soft skill development that's so critical for, for success and, you know, figuring out how to cultivate both sides of that coin, um, you know, not just for hiring, but, but for, for everybody in, in your, in your community, in your industry, definitely. And then, and then just one more, yeah. pulling one more from, from where, where you went a couple minutes ago, you know, this idea of, of homo sapiens journey on the planet and the cognitive revolution that in, you know, outside of work, that's something that, that constantly fascinates me. Um, and interestingly, it, 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 that's at the center of this, this, uh, discipline of psychotherapy that, that my dad, you know, founded, you know, 20, 30 years ago now is, is how do you, how do you take the, the knowledge that for, for 70, 70,000 years, really 10,000 years, even agricultural revolution. How do you take the knowledge that, you know, for this period of time, you know, the human brain has just been like rapidly modifying the environment in which it exists. And, you know, that can, that leads to, you know, to, to a lot of push and pull between how we want to feel and, and how we feel when we're cooped up, cooped up in a cubicle and in some business hierarchy and then using that to, to think about, you know, how, how can we make things better in, in our world, not necessarily by, you know, looking forward to what we can change, but maybe taking cues from, from looking back at that journey and, and seeing where we can find uh, uh, overlap or, or potential um, in the future. Hell yeah. And I, I knew for, for two reasons I brought up the, uh, the migration of homo sapiens one is because i recently am, i'm going back into the book sapiens this time i'm doing audible because i've read it before and it's it's interesting it's a more intimate experience with the book i find um doing audible and and two i i, I know your curious mind and your interest and and i knew that that would that would stoke your fire a bit um <laughs> yeah <laughs> and, and we'll, you know, um, yeah. And that those are, those are rabbit holes, by the way, I look forward to going, going down with you, um, offline and, 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 in appropriate ways that we can hang out. Um, and then in, increasingly over time and just, um, you know, and outside of a pandemic, but we'll, we'll be, we'll be careful in the, uh, in the immediate term. Um, so, so Ari, like, I, I know we talked about this before and we're going to, we're going to go like a, a little long and I want to be, I want to be conscious of time and, 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 but do want to tap in a little bit more on your role 
at Nevca and sort of like um, NEVCA. There I go again. Um, your role at NEVCA and, and some of the important work that you're that you're doing and kind of what you're looking forward to. Um, and you know, heading into the heading into the holidays, heading into 2021. Like, what are some of the things that are you know new initiatives or things that are just really stoke in your fire? I mean, you you mentioned earlier, like like you have a very um, kind of horizontal sort of broad um, relationship with the organization and, and helping sort of um, enable sort of community helping enable um, the community, you know, politically, like, like, like there's all these different layers of, um, of sort of like service that, that any VCA um, offers to VCs and really affords most importantly to startups to thrive. Um, but talk a bit more about the initiative and, the initiatives that you're working on, uh, your, you know, things you're working on with Jody, you know, with Jody Rose and the team and, and just, you know, things that, um, that the community will appreciate, uh, getting a, getting a chance to kind of hear from your words. Yeah. Well, I'll take a, a micro and a macro approach there. Um, I think micro short term, uh, I'm looking, I'm really looking forward to the, the upcoming cohort for hack diversity. Uh, we've seen, you know, renewed, uh, renewed interest in the program. We upped our, our fellow uh, goal from 75 to 100 uh, this year. I think we're looking at hoping to engage with you know, 20 to 25 host companies. So, you know, this is, this is going to be the fourth year now of the program. And, and I think this, you know, 20, end of 2020, beginning of 2021 has, you know, tremendous potential to, you know, be a, a banner year um, in terms of, of impact and reach for, for Hack Diversity. Um, at the end of 2021, psyched to, to announce that we're going to be doing uh, the 2020 Nevi Awards. They're going to be in an all, all digital, all virtual world premiere on December 1st. And we, we're excited about that as an opportunity to, you know, balance this, this staying true to the, the vibe and the history of the Nevis as a, a celebration and something, you know, outside, of, outside the norm, uh, not your typical networking event, uh, but also uh, we're excited about the, the opportunity afforded by the all digital, all virtual nature this year to do some different things with the show and also to acknowledge, you know, the gravity of this year and, and everything that it, that it, that is entailed. So short term, it, you know, it's those two, I'd say long term, long term, I'm, I'm really interested in, in continuing to build out this regional brand work that, that I mentioned earlier and that you and I have talked about before, um, continuing to, look at, at different strategies and tactics for telling this really compelling story of, about Boston um, and, and what, what entrepreneurs you know, can expect coming here, um, what engineers and other talented professionals can, can expect coming here and why, that, why it makes sense to make that decision. I think there's a lot of creative ways that we can, we can go to, toward telling that story. And I think a lot of, of value can be provided to the community if, 
if we as NEBCA and we as a community come together and, and tell that story in the right way, um, in an impactful way. So that's, that's a long-term thing I'm looking forward to. Nice. I'm, I'm also looking forward, hopefully in the not extremely distant future, to the point in time when, you know, as, as an organization, but again, also as a community, when we can start to synthesize the, the, the good old days with the new normal. Mm-hmm. And 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 see where our old events can benefit from a an injection of of digital, um, an, inde- an injection of virtual. One of the things that's been really exciting for us at NEBCA is the reach, the organic reach that we've we've had with the events that we've run. Startups from you know a, a massively wider. Uh, a, a swath of the country and the world participating, uh, engaging with investors and other ecosystems. And I think that's a, you know, that's a huge tool in the tool belt for, for that brand work and telling, telling the story is, is starting to make, make our events more accessible to a, a broader population uh, and, and, and just increase, you know, increase productivity that, that has been powered by this, this stay at home period. So I'm really excited when it's not all digital all the time because we have to, but it sort of accelerated some of that adoption and broken down some of the barriers, I think, for eventual uh, balanced adoption. Well said. I I couldn't agree more on that last part. Like the, um, it was interesting. Like this is going to be episode 53 of Boston speaks up and it's wild. Like it's like, feels like yesterday, like we were just getting started. It was a couple of years ago. I remember talking to Brendan Ryan from hub week. It was definitely like the first like three or four months we were doing this. And, you know, I just remember like talking about the wonderful evolution of hub week. Um, I think everyone's pretty familiar with it. Like simply put like Boston South by Southwest, right? Just big sort of physical gathering, but it happens kind of all around the city. It's almost gotten so big that I think Hub Week's intentionally trying to, I have tried, you know, tried to kind of hone it back in last year. Um, but I bring that up relative to what you just said, because one of the, I thought, I feel the Achilles heel of say a Hub Week is like, it's physically inaccessible to so many people in the region. Like, there's so many people like within a 30, 50 mile radius of Boston that like, don't even know it exists. And like, like, so uh, tapping into like, you know, the chambers of commerce, you know, across this, even just, let's just say the state of Massachusetts and like in a virtual way and like making our events and, and these, these, the access and pathways to um, the innovation economy and the opportunities it affords more accessible to uh, more of our communities that aren't like Boston or immediately Boston adjacent, I think is like a, is number one should be a huge priority, but number two should be more achievable based on this like blended model of like physical, physical and virtual that is that most any business and organization is, is kind of being, thrusted into, um, embracing, you know, how, you know, how do we make our events, um, virtual? Like how do we connect people? And, and, and as, as, as a positive consequence of that, like, Oh, wow. Like we have far greater reach because there's no geographical sort of barriers. Um, 
And so like, I, I, you know, just that's, and you don't necessarily have to respond to that, but I'm, I'm curious, like, it, it seems to me there's a bigger opportunity for any VCA now than ever. Um, because the, the expectation is that like, you know, good, you know, good intentioned organizations and businesses that like I could, you know, participate in, in some level, um, like should find ways to, connect with me right now while I'm working from home. And, and that to me is a great opportunity. Yeah. It, it, and it is an opportunity because I think that there, there are probably an equal number of organizations. You know, and let me phrase that a different way. You know, as an organization faced with this environment, especially a, you know, a, a community player type organization, um, you know, it's really a sort of a, a fork, fork in the road of choice uh, of doubling down on, you know, uh, serving the the existing community um, in a in a digital manner, or uh, you know, rethinking and and dropping you know dropping some of the barriers. I look at um, you know Venture Lane uh, yeah. Christians organization. I think they've done a you know a really great job of that where, you know, they're a co-working space and, you know, it was, it was a model where they had a, they had a ton of great content, but it was, it was bar, it was, it was, it was walled off for the general community because that was their value prop is, you know, you, you get space there and, and, and that's what they give you. And then the pandemic came and rather than keep those firewalls in place, they said, all right, look, everybody's having a tough time. Let's, let's, you know, drop the barrier to entry, make our, all of our content accessible. And they've had a, they've had great success uh, and they've offered, you know, great value to a bunch more people. And I'm optimistic that it will also, you know, go toward their bottom line um, eventually when, when this period of synthesis, uh, synthesis, you know, is upon us and we can, we can integrate the old, the old models with the new. Um, and so I, I look forward to any VCA's day to to integrate the old and the new too. That's great. Yeah, yeah. Christian Mogel was on the podcast about a month, maybe two months ago, and yeah, I was really impressed. I've been really impressed with how they've sort of evolved their like their model to like really support members, but also support the community um, through like transitioning their what was once members only events and making them accessible to the community more broadly. And, and everyone wins in that, in that scenario. Um, and Ari, as we kind of continue to, um, progress as sort of as, as, as friends, as, as sort of peers in the Boston innovation community, I look forward to, to, to collaborating with you on like those ways that any VCA, um, those innovative ways that any VCA looks to sort of, um, you know, bring about and, and foster community. I think it's really exciting. And, and there's, there's, um, only, you know, tons of, of, of white space and potential, um, uh, to build upon like the great foundation of, of community that NEBC has already built to date. Um, so yeah, I'm looking forward to that and just really grateful for this, for this time. I think this is a, this is a very, you know, I think it's a timely conversation for the community. I think as we head, as everyone's getting back into school right now, um, and parents, um, are you know strained more and, and and dare I say stressed um with with homeschooling and and um it's it's gonna be everyone should look to lead with empathy these next few months and um and and I think you know look to your community leaders to help uh 
provide, you know, support and, and, uh, and, and, and sort of like fun and interesting and unique ways to kind of connect virtually as we all, um, kind of plow through the, 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 the pandemic that is still, still upon us. Um, but yeah, I'm really looking forward to, to, you know, what the future, what the future holds and, and Ari, like, thank you so much for all, for all the time and like all the, the thoughtfulness. I feel like you and I could have our own podcast um, and maybe we will someday or, or, or more regular check-ins because um, this has been a lot of fun. Yeah, man. I'm happy to uh, come in and guest host. I think the conversations that you and you and me can have uh, with a bunch of people could be really interesting. So yeah, appreciate it. Uh, cool. it, was, it was awesome to talk to you and, and thanks so much. Yeah, of course, of course. We'll uh, we'll get all those details out for the for the fundraiser to uh, to listeners and readers alike when we when we push everything out shortly. Um, awesome, thanks, Ari. Enjoy the rest of your day. Yes, sir. Cheers, Boston.